The Safety Task Force podcast is arming you with the necessary tools to combat safety in our fast-paced, dynamic world. Our interviews bring you the latest and greatest safety solutions from industry experts. If you're new to the industry or looking for ways to expand your knowledge and stay up to date with global safety trends, this podcast is for you. Hello, and welcome to our next episode of Safety Task Force. Today, I am talking with Paul Serafini from Soterra Consulting. Welcome, Paul. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role as a health and safety consultant. Well, uh, I'm out of Minneapolis, uh, the Minneapolis area here in Minnesota. Uh, I'm the owner and sole principal consultant for a company called Soterra Consulting. It's a company that I started probably in 2015 as kind of a part-time venture. I work with small to medium-sized employers um, to help them kind of comply with OSHA regulations and general workplace safety. I developed their uh, OSHA compliance programs. I do a bunch of training for them. Uh, it's a really great gig. It gives me a chance to get out and uh, work with an awful lot of companies and see uh, an awful lot of parts of the country that I normally wouldn't get to see. So I enjoy it quite a bit. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds cool. So tell us why is safety compliance such a big deal for businesses? Well, we live in kind of a regulated society and it's important that these companies uh, comply with these regulations. Um, there are always costs to, you know, associated with non-compliance. Um, there are a variety of reasons that companies need to comply. You know, to me, the biggest one is just ethically and morally, you know, you don't want people getting hurt at your work sites. I mean, just if you put aside all the costs and all the regulatory risks and everything else, it just comes down to the, the, the basic fact that I don't want people getting hurt, period. Um, in addition, you know, they've got legal requirements that they need to comply with. And when there's non-compliance with those requirements, there's a cost to that as well. But the biggest issue is just the, the cost of these injuries. When people get hurt or sick on the job, any regulatory penalty that comes with that, that incident is just kind of the tip of the iceberg. When you start looking at the costs that are involved with people getting hurt, um, they're really, really significant. You know, over the course of a couple of years, even a, a simple injury like, a, like a, a hernia or something like that, a lot of studies have shown that that very small injury, say a, uh, an injury that's got only $20,000 of medical cost and indemnity, in other words, lost time, that might end up costing the employer upwards of like $1.5 million over the course of that claim because of all these invisible costs that are hidden with it. Um, there was a very famous study done in the early 80s that showed that every injury and every work-related injury and illness is at least three and up to 10 times more expensive than it initially appears to be. The direct costs are X. Your actual costs, when we consider these these hidden underwater costs, are actually three to 10 times that amount. So these, these injuries and illnesses have a very real and a very direct impact on a company's long-term uh, profitability. Sure, I can understand that. So is it easy for companies to meet regulations or is that something that's constantly changing? How does that all work? No, I mean, well, it depends. You know, there are some requirements that are just 
on their face, you know, very, very easy and simple to comply with. Um, people will tend to get a little bit overwhelmed with subject matter that they don't have a great understanding of. But the answer is it's going to depend on the, on the actual requirement itself. And not to mention the fact that some companies have got resources that they can allocate to, to, to working on these issues. You know, there are some companies that are bigger than others and they have more money to hire safety professionals or safety staff. And those people can look at a regulation and think nothing of it. This is simple. This is just a policy that we have to write or a little bit of training that we have to do. So it's going to depend on the nature of the, the requirement itself and then the actual company. But I really disagree with the idea, and I hear it all the time, I really disagree with the idea that these regulations are changing all the time, um, particularly with regard to OSHA regulations. They, they don't change frequently, and especially depending on, and not to be too political here, but depending on the, the political climate that might exist at any given time, you know, you could go eight years without seeing a single new OSHA requirement very easily. It usually takes between, I don't know, 10 to 25 years to promulgate a new OSHA rule. So I really don't buy into the idea that they're changing all the time. I think that's just something people say because they, they get overwhelmed with it and they, it ends up getting perceived as, boy, yesterday you told me I had to do this and now I have to do something different. I really don't think they change very frequently at all. I think that is a perspective then kind of just like you mentioned, people, people kind of perceive it as it's changing constantly, but really it's... Yeah, it, it stays the same. It stays the same. And even when these new rules do come out, they are oftentimes, um, they're sort of carbon copies of each other sometimes. For example, you know, hexavalent chrome and the silica rule, whenever these chemical specific rules come out, formaldehyde or lead or hexavalent chrome or whatnot, when those come out periodically, they are basically kind of carbon copies of each other. So if you, it's sort of like if you've seen one, you've seen them all. So I, I, don't, I don't really buy into the idea that they're, they change too frequently. Got it. Well, what's the best way for people to stay up to date on all of this safety compliance information? Well, you know, back in the day when I started in the industry, and that was what, a 19, early 1990s, I think I came out of college and went right into safety. That was a real challenge to how do you stay up to date with these things? Because the internet was in its infancy back then. And uh, there weren't an awful lot of online resources for people. And you had to just subscribe to magazines and go to networking events and, you know, go listen to speakers at luncheons and conventions and conferences, which is probably one of my least favorite things to do. Right. Um, but now with the Internet, it's, it's really anything you want to know is, is out there somewhere. You know, OSHA.gov is a great resource for people who are trying to stay up to date with this stuff. Uh, a variety of private industries like mine, um, you know, we have blogs and uh, a number of online resources that people can always be checking up on. 24-7-365, it, it's always out there. Um, but, so between the regulators' actual websites like OSHA.gov, um, the blogs and the uh, other online resources, that's the best way to, to go. In addition to those sort of old school resources, like I mentioned before, you know, actually buying the regulations and going to the luncheons and going to the conferences and, and everything, uh, subscribing to the periodicals. So the, the, the modern technology has really made this stuff pretty ubiquitous now. It's pretty easy to find anywhere you look. So 
as we go through this, like what happens when businesses fail to comply? Well, I mean, it's like anything else. When you fail to meet an obligation, you know, there, there are risks to that. The first thing that usually comes to mind is the idea that you're going to get an OSHA penalty. And uh, here in Minnesota, we tend to have uh, our state agency, our state Minnesota OSHA agency, isn't quite as uh, stringent as other programs that I've seen throughout the country. Um, but depending on the state that you're in and a million other factors, you know, you could have very, very significant penalties if you, uh, quote unquote, get caught with your pants down um, in terms of a compliance issue. So you might have significant penalties or you might have penalties like here in Minnesota. Again, we tend to not be a, um, a super punitive state in terms of those penalties. But in other states, like I won't even mention any names, but in other states, those penalties can be really, really significant. Not to mention the fact that about two or three years ago, OSHA pretty much across the board uh, raised all their penalties somewhere in the neighborhood of like 82%. Um, what they had found was that uh, there had not been an adjustment to the penalty structure since 1990. So all these OSHA penalties were being written in 1990 dollars. And as a result, they didn't really have the deterrent effect that OSHA really wanted them to have. So in, I want to say that in 2018, they revised uh, their penalty structure and brought it up to current um, consumer, um, I don't want to say consumer price index levels, but let's just, you get the point, you know, it brings them up to, to $2,020. So for the first time uh, in 30 years, they adjusted that penalty structure and brought it up to to real, you know, current dollars. Uh, and they also adopted a policy where every year they will adjust those penalties to reflect uh, increases in, in or decreases in real dollar value. So every year now those rates will go up, but, but uh, an 82% increase is nothing to, nothing to sneeze at. You know, you're looking at some very real dollars. But the main thing that I really want people to understand is that the main cost of non-compliance is not the regulatory penalties, but the risk that you face from having people get hurt. People really got to get it out of their heads that the, that we comply with OSHA for the for the sake of complying with OSHA and avoiding penalties, because that's not true. The main thing that you really have to do is avoid the cost of these people getting hurt to begin with, because those are very, very significant dollars involved with those, as, as I've already mentioned. Don't worry about the three or four hundred dollar OSHA penalty that may occur if something goes wrong. Think about the thirty thousand dollars in very real costs that you are going to pay. Not, not a maybe. You know, when somebody gets hurt, you will pay these workers' comp dollars and you will pay these indemnity dollars, and those costs dwarf the idea of an OSHA penalty. So. The, to answer your question, a very long-winded answer on my part here, but uh, to answer your question, the, the cost of, of failure to comply is a much bigger issue than I think a lot of people recognize. It's not just the regulatory penalty, it's the cost of the incident itself. Understandable. So I recently attended a safety weekend in Indiana, and there are a lot of safety professionals there. And one of the questions that came up a lot was, getting employees to buy into what they were trying to implement around their facility to keep them safe. So do you have any tips for like, what's the best way to get employees to buy in to what you're trying to implement? 
Yeah, a couple of things. Number one, I always, from a cultural standpoint, you, you really want to build a culture where safety is looked at as a positive thing. And very frequently when I'm working with companies, the whole tone of safety seems to be, oh, OSHA says you have to do this, and we've got this policy, and you guys have got to go to this training, and and it's looked at with such negativity, and it's no wonder people sometimes respond the way they do. They look at it as being like this absolute bare minimum requirement that they have to meet just for the sole purpose of complying with some silly requirement. And to me, you have to build um, a culture where safety is looked at with positivity, okay? It's not something that you have to do or you're going to get hurt. It's something that you should do so that you don't get hurt and you don't have to change your life for the worse and you don't have to give up the things that you like doing, you know, because you've been injured now. Um, So you really have to let employees know what's in it for them. You know, what are the positive sides of safety? Not just, oh, the safety guy says you got to wear this respirator. The safety guy says you got to wear these safety glasses. The tone should be, hey, you should really wear this respirator because it will allow you to, <laughs> you know, uh, continue your life the way that you want it to continue. So you can continue to go fishing and so that you can continue to go hunting. And so you will be around for when your kids graduate from college. And so you can walk your daughter down the aisle at her wedding, things like that. It's just too much negativity involved in in the safety culture right now. So for businesses that don't have a dedicated team of professionals, what can they do to ensure that they're, you know, staying up to date or providing that safe work environment for people? Well, there's still a ton of resources out there for anybody who, who doesn't have a environmental health and safety staff or a health and safety manager or specialist, there are still countless resources out there. Um, the best thing I can tell you about is, number one, there are still consultants out there like me who make their living working with companies who normally, again, don't have the resources for it internally. So there are a variety of consultants out there uh, who can help with just about any type of issue. Um, the other thing that people or the other resource that people sometimes forget is your workers' comp carriers or your insurance carriers in general. Your workers' comp carrier has got a vested interest in you not having injuries. And as a result, they offer what are called loss control services. Usually, they offer loss control services to all of their insured organizations um, to help out with this kind of thing. They'll focus on, you know, they'll look at what types of injuries are you having, the so-called loss drivers. They'll look at your history and your records and figure out, okay, you're having an awful lot of back injuries. Let's look at doing some back injury prevention training or designing some jobs like this. Um, So between consultants, workers' comp carriers, um, in almost all states, OSHA also has uh, consulting resources that are available. In other words, OSHA has got two branches. They have their enforcement branch, which goes out and does uh, inspections and enforcement actions. And they do some unpopular stuff for some companies, like issuing penalties and doing surprise inspections. But basically, in every state, you have a separate arm of OSHA called uh, OSHA Consulting, where their folks will go out and work hand-in-hand with these employers to help them meet some of their regulatory needs. A lot of times people are very, very reluctant to invite OSHA into the workplace because they feel like they're inviting the fox into the hen house. And 
while there might be a small amount of truth to that in some cases, it's usually a, a pretty good deal to have those people involved. Uh, and the fourth resource I've already mentioned is just all the online resources that are available to people. Um, uh, again, consulting websites, safety blogs, social media groups on LinkedIn and Facebook and everything else. There's a, there's a lot to be learned out there online for very little or no cost. All right. Well, thanks for explaining all that. Is there anything else? That's all I have for today. So is there anything else that you'd like to add to our conversation here on safety compliance from a regulatory standpoint? No, other than to just mention my safety blog, if anybody would like to follow any of the uh, safety topics, I report pretty frequently, although I haven't been very good about it lately with COVID and everything else. My, my, my blogging time has been reduced significantly, but soterraconsulting.com, that's spelled S-O-T-E-R-A. If people would like to keep up to date on any of these regulations, I blog pretty extensively on a lot of issues that would be uh, of interest to them. Awesome. Well, Paul, thanks for joining me today, and we appreciate you taking time to teach us more about that. No problem. Thank you very much. That's all for this week's episode of the Safety Task Force podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at BeastAgentWN. 